it's Shadzi, correct? Shadzi, right. Yeah, just want to make sure I wasn't like... Normally, I start out with like, Javad Shadzi, how are you? And then yeah, you'd be like, like oh, dude, how long have I known you? I, I've known you how long? And you can't <laughs> pronounce my last name. It is a difference of made up last name, so I can't blame anybody. It's a what? It's pretty much made up. My my family on my dad's side, um, our last name used to be Pahlavi, uh, which is a very more much more common. Uh, in fact, I think it's it's the same as the Shaw Shaw of Iran's last name was Pahlavi. So I think it was for for that reason or something, but. Uh, Anyways, it was changed at some point, and this name Shotzi was no. So if you ever meet another Shotzi, they're related to me. There's no other. It's, right. It's it's very unique to you. Yeah, it's it's a and I, I gotta talk to my dad. It's been years since I heard the story, but I gotta talk to my dad about yeah, how right. it came about. But, yeah. Anyway, so I just wanted to catch up because I really thoroughly enjoyed our our yeah, conversation. That was fun. But I don't know if there's anything else you want to specifically cover. You know, I think um, I was I was thinking about this a little bit. I, I come at everything from an aftermarket performance perspective, and you are, you are connected to Audi themselves. So it'd be right. interesting to have a you know if you wanted to, or we could have a, a dialogue of you know how we both we both come to an Audi sitting here in front yeah. of us. You know, um, and maybe maybe something like concerns or misconceptions or myths about aftermarket tuning or you know things like that because i know in in my world everyone's like yeah we're gonna mod our cars it's just a matter of what are we gonna do and then i go on like out in the audi club um especially on the national page and there's people like there's memes like making fun of people who modify their audis you know on the audi club national page and uh you mean on the facebook group yeah, yeah. So it's it, it just, it, sometimes it occurs to me like, oh, I, I, sometimes I forget that only like 2% of Audi owners actually mod their cars, you know, or, or whatever the actual number is, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Our, our small is much higher. So uh, we, we could talk about that. We could also talk about electrification and stuff like that. I have a lot of thoughts about the, the future of performance electrification. There's a lot of ice, hardcore ice. Uh, fanatics who just think like electrification is bad for performance bad for right. tuning in the industry and that's just that's just not true so it it means things are going to change it means it has impacts for what we do and how we do things um, there's just a lot of hysteria out there like california is banning all gas cars you know well, actually oh, i bet not. you're hearing a lot of that. yeah <laughs> they're not <laughs> you know there's still going to be like the majority of all cars in california will still be gas even in 20, 30 years from now, you know, so there'll be a lot more electric cars than there are now, and there yeah. won't be any new cars being sold after 2035, but there will still be lots of, you know, in our lifetime, it's still going to be a lot of gas cars on the road, so hey, we're not done with, I mean, no, no one's canceling their oil orders anytime soon. You know? So, so should we jump right into the, to the EV thing first and tackle that? Sure, and... yeah, whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm... Yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, it's, 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 um, <clears throat> I don't know. Did you see? Uh, did you see on the news yesterday, uh, Prince Harry, that Jerick was? I don't oh know, yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> was out of Etron. Was gas guzzling out of Etron? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, 
I, that's just this is just like <laughs> basic observation skills are just not there. I don't know what to tell you. You know what's funny is like Jalopnik. I found myself don't argue on the internet is the is the takeaway. <laughs> but like I found myself arguing with a guy who read the Jalopnik story who was like because I think Jalopnik said, oh, but it's, you can tell by the grill, right? <laughs> like, so like this guy, but like, well, he could have swapped the grill. It could have been, it could have been an Etron grill on a, on a gas Audi. Like, yeah, that's not how it works, man. Like it's not a Q5. And I think, anyway, yeah. right. doesn't really matter. But, but on the EV thing, I think what, what a story like that triggers with me or that I see triggers from others. And then I find myself responding to is there, there's like the usual talking points of like how dirty i mean we know batteries are a challenge at this time yeah, of technology, or how dirty the electricity is going on the cars i find that's a misnomer in pennsylvania i can i can pay for my source so i'm paying extra for clean energy right so i can yeah, displace yeah. i may be pulling coal-fired electrons onto my car but i'm paying for solar or whatever yeah anyway yeah no, I, I i love talking about that stuff I think a lot a lot of these topics people are afraid to talk about because they've been politicized. Yeah. And I, I really don't like that. I don't like the politicization of topics that are not political. And so I think it's it's helpful for people like us who have you know, maybe a little deeper level of understanding to talk about issues in a more accurate, nuanced way than uh, you know how most people think about things, which is like literally headlines, different headlines are bouncing right, right. their heads, you know? It's like, well, it, you know, oil is dirty. We know that the gas is dirty and we know electrical, electrification has environmental impacts too. Now they're not all the same. Right. And the impacts of electrification on the environment are different. And then uh, there's the future of what can be done with electrification, you know? So we're, we're as clean as wherever we get with gas. I mean, we're, we're diminishing yeah. returns but we're just in the very beginning of what we can do with electrification so you know you know it's all that stuff has to be talked about yeah, that's the thing right like it's it seems like everybody's like they want they want electric electrification to be uh as clean as it possibly can be right now right away yeah. not realizing there's a century of development and, and distribution build out and 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 on gasoline and like it's oh it's, yeah it's just starting now yeah. so you said I'm curious if you have any thoughts on it or you have any information being in California. Obviously, they just recently passed, what, 2035. They're going to stop selling ICE yeah. cars in state. New, 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 yeah. new so vehicle sales. Okay, so that's 13 years, 12 and a yeah. half years from now. Yeah. So so looking at like just the way life cycle, because I mean, the, the fleet doesn't change overnight anyway, even if that were today, right? So I guess that's something I wonder about too, is like, it's all a stepped, the thing that takes a very long time. And so when you have things like, I saw you post on Facebook a couple, uh, what a week or two ago about the testing of nuclear fusion, right? Now that's yeah. probably at best three decades out from yeah, yeah. commercialized yeah. use. Maybe yeah. So I have, I have some friends that work at the lab and you know, we'll, we'll talk about that stuff. And then, yeah, they're like, it's not really in our lifetime. You know, it's, no, really? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just starting or whatever, but the scale they're doing it at right now is like, it's like we made a, uh, a synthetic protein chicken cell. And yeah. Someday everyone's going to eat like lab grown chicken, you know? So I mean, right. it's, just, it's, it's a very, very uh, basic, you know, the, the fact that they're doing just what they've done now is really difficult, but yeah, it's, it's a ways out and electrification's 
you know, five years ago, we didn't really have electric cars here in California. There was no electrical infrastructure, electric car infrastructure. I mean, there was just a few charging stations here and there. Um, and now, you know, where, where, where I'm at right now in Fremont, I don't know what the percent of just Tesla's here, right? So right. probably at least 10% of the cars in Fremont are Tesla's, really? at, you know, it's gotta be. Um, and in and, and the Bay Area in general, you drive around, it's just, it's a lot of electric cars. So, um, and there's, you, you go to, you know, the mini mall down the street and there's charging stations there, you know, <laughs> like yeah. we didn't have any of that three years ago. Um, well, and another... like six or seven years ago, and now we're talking about 13 years from now, you know. Right. And it, well, sooner than California, though, I, I suspect probably in five to seven years, Audi will be largely fully electric anyway. Yeah, well, and you, you, I'm sure you know about that, right? But the manufacturers are really what's leading this. It's not, California is not the bad guy, you know, if anything. Right. California is saying 2035 is, if they're just listening to what the manufacturers are saying, they're not, they're not out of the ordinary. I mean, most every major manufacturer is committing to go fully electric at some point. Yeah. It seems like everybody was anybody. And the other side of it is like the other when when the political discussion starts to happen, the other thing I, I I'm surprised isn't a talking point is like the strategic importance of uh electrification. Like we've had electricity around us, it's ubiquitous, but electrification based on mobility is is something that is coming. We you you are seeing China and and others invest heavily in this as well, right? And go all in. Manufacturers going all in building out the the grid etc like it it's yeah. we can eat like kind of like the internet right and we we jumped on it early and because of that the west and the u.s in particular kind of owned the internet uh and still dominate in that space today like we can see that to the chinese or whomever else if we wish but like yeah it's coming well, you're right I, I don't understand why there's not that kind of uh hardcore economic you know, desire to take advantage of the incredible lucrative yeah. business opportunities that electrification presents. Um, yeah, and there's a lot that needs to be done, um, but we're just in the infancy of, of all this. So there's tremendous opportunity and whether you like coal or not, whether you think it's a great energy source or not, which almost nobody does anymore, somehow it's been politicized and so it represents something to a lot of people, but right. The coal industry is collapsing um, and, you know, big companies are not investing in coal like they were 20 years ago. They're, they're investing that money in, you know, all kinds of alternative uh, energy sources, especially electrification. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know why, why there's not more opportunism around that. Yeah, especially when you can see it a mile away, right? Like you can see yeah. it's going there. It's just a matter of how quickly we all get there, who jumps on it first. Yeah, and to be fair, there, there's plenty of it, right? Like, you know, the, one of the most valuable companies on earth and the richest man on earth is all funded by electrification, electric cars. Wall Street is putting a lot of money uh, towards electrification. Um, you know, if, if you want your stock to go up, just say that you just did something to, to make your your vehicles more electric friendly and, and your stock will go up the next day um so there's there's and, and you know companies like exxon 
are investing a lot of money into, into this stuff. So I, th I think where the thing that's behind is the political discourse. That's that's kind of in the Stone Age. But while yeah. everyone's you know all riled up with with pitchforks, uh, all the the biggest polluting companies on earth are investing in yeah <laughs> in electrification and alternative energy. So to, to yeah, me, it definitely seems like electrification has kind of become uh, like abortion or some of these other issues that are like yeah. a hot mm -hmm. button that if you keep pushing them, you're going to drive votes. <clears throat> you're going to drive. Yeah. Uh, engagement but like at the so like they do it because it works it gets votes it gets it's divisive donations yeah. right right yeah but all right so so knowing that it's going there and knowing that you have kind of built your career in the aftermarket i guess i guess i'd ask you first have, have you i'd imagine you've driven some electric cars at this point yeah have you spent yeah. time and i'd like to spend more more time mm -hmm. you know i've never daily driven an electric car uh, but i've driven lots of teslas and uh, and all of audi's you know electric offerings and things and yeah they're nice i mean they're, they're great cars they drive nice um and uh obviously the performance potential is massive with, with what you can do with an electric motor versus you know an inter internal combustion engine so so from an aftermarket perspective <clears throat> i mean other suspension which is you know, suspension improvements are there to be had either before or after electrification. But yeah, but beyond that, have you guys given much thought yet as to how what O34 is uh, or or companies such as yourselves mm -hmm. are once electrification yeah, seriously arrives? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we are zero three four is now we're we're part of a bigger group of companies that uh, yeah, there's a lot of focus on the future and. And our financial viability people are investing in in uh, the company uh, so that we can generate growth and new opportunities so there's a lot of scrutiny on you know what does our next you know five ten years look like yeah. and um you know the the reality is for most aftermarket companies like us that are that are tuning cars that are already on the road typically cars that are usually not brand new usually like five to 15 years old um, you know, right now, kind of the hot, really hot applications for us are V8 era cars and hmm. MQV Mark 7 cars, you know, so those are all, you know, five to 10 year old cars. Right. Uh, B9 is really heating up because that's been out for about five years now. So that's very hot too. Um, nobody's, nobody's in business right now because of the Mark 8s and part of it's just because there's hardly any being delivered. Yeah, yeah, but um, even if there was lots of them being delivered, it's still kind of the sweet spot is that second owner. Cars have been on the road, they're out of warranty and people want to have fun with them. The values have come way down. Uh, so, so you know, from from a, from just, you know, a basic level, if you're an aftermarket company right now and California is not going to allow new car sales of ICE in 12, 13 years from now, then that means you've got a good 12, 13 years plus another five, 10 years after that. So. I really don't plan on <laughs> working <laughs> being, uh, I hope I'm still alive then, but right. I definitely don't plan on working or caring at all about what's going on at zero through four <laughs> motorsport in 15. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, I hope, I hope the company's thriving and I, I hope there's, you know, some young whippersnapper that, uh, that, uh, takes my place eventually. But, um, so there's that, but let, let's just say, you know, electric cars will present an opportunity. Um, they won't necessarily be the thing that ends ice. But they, they, there will be, there are 
quite a few on the road now and, and more and more every year there's going to be more and more so the the big challenge initially was that tesla kind of you know came out and created the electric car on the road and it, right. it's what people have been driving tesla is is not uh, a typical auto manufacturer um, just because they've never made cars before and they've been figuring it out but they kind of took this philosophy of just really having a tight grip on every car that was sold so you know tesla puts a tight grip on on even the parts that they sell if you if you want a tesla wheel nut it, it can be very difficult to get um, because they just don't want these parts floating around they want all the parts to build more cars and um, they, they've been doing these over there updates you know so there's there's been a really close connection between owning a tesla and being connected to tesla so trying to go in and reprogram or do anything with the you know the motor control units or any electronics in tesla would be very difficult because if you could sell a tesla customer a flash uh, if you could hack into tesla's software because they, they wouldn't let you right Right. You'd have to you'd have to back end into it and reverse engineer it and, and get access to it. Then Tesla would just write over it the next day because you know the car oh, yeah. would probably say, you know, I've been reprogrammed. Is this right? And then Tesla's factory would be like, nope, that's wrong. Here's the correct version of software that you should be running. Hmm. Um, but when, once you kind of take Tesla out of the picture, and yes, you're right with Tesla's suspension, braking, all that kind of stuff, interior mods, and, and this is what you find because of you know, the way Tesla has dealt with their cars, that there are quite a few now aftermarket companies that support Tesla. And basically they sell springs, tires, wheels, uh, knickknacks and things like that, because you can't really do much with the electronics in a Tesla. Right. But, uh, you know, for example, uh, you go to like the Volkswagen Audi universe or the bag universe and, um, you know, like the Volkswagen e-Golf was basically an ice car with an ICE uh, ECU engine control unit that had an electric motor in place. So instead of having the ECU controlling uh, the torque delivery of a ICE motor, the controller is simply uh, controlling the, the torque delivery of an electric motor. Uh, and so, you know, you can see the difference where Tesla kind of came up with this whole thing, you know, on their own, but these classic auto manufacturers are really coming at electrification from an ICE point of view. Uh, much more so than Tesla did. So that, that, get, that gives all of us hope that um, in the future, we, uh, a company like Zero Through we can sell tunes for electric cars. Yeah. We can, there, there's, there's certainly extra capacity left in the battery system, the motors, and we can, we can play with the voltage and uh, amperage that's going to the motor, and we can control the, the, the power curve that, that's arbitrarily created by the ECU. We could even, um, you know, engineer and build bigger, more powerful motors that could, that could go in the place of the factory motors. So, you know, there's a lot that that can be done with electrification moving forward. There, there are aftermarket companies like AEM who, uh, you know, have uh, released uh, standalone ECUs for electric motors, uh, which Holly Group just recently acquired AEM uh, for that technology, so that they can, you know, sell people create motors to pull their Chevy 350 out and slap in a, you know, a much better, more powerful electric motor. Uh, so yeah, there, there's, there's a lot that can be done with electrification and it doesn't mean the end of anything. And as we've seen in racing, it's, uh, the, the fastest car to ever go up, um, 
what was it, Silverstone? Did you see that thing? It had like, it was fully electric and had like a, a vacuum system. To, oh, the, to, Goodwood? The yeah, that Goodwood, like, yeah. Sorry. Cameras like fast forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was an electric car. You can't do that with a nice car. It's just not even possible. So. Right. The performance is there, the acceleration is there, the technology is there to, to go faster and do more than we've ever done in a car. Right. So it's, it's exciting and there's no reason that it, that can't apply to performance as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I hadn't thought about replacing, like motor replacement should be, you know, yeah. it, 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 it's such a, motors as compared to gasoline engines are such a different animal right and and yeah. what that means to a car etc like it's it's um it, it, i it's it's such a rethink i guess you like thinking about what you said about the e-golf too i suspect that e-tron is similar where both of these are derived and developed from what was originally an ice architecture yeah. and yeah. when, yeah, when and, you look at id4 q4 that's more a stand-up skateboard mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know if they're running ECUs or how they're managing that. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at those yet. Yeah, it, I mean, um, Volkswagen and associate companies um, since the 90s have always used this, this torque request model to control their engines. So unlike uh, other companies before that, the engine needs a certain amount of fuel and it needs a certain amount of timing, and then it just produces a, some amount of power based on how much air and fuel combust and the volumetric efficiency of the motor. And it's just, it is what it is. Volkswagen starting, you know, kind of back in the, in the Motronic days, um, like any seven era, um, instead of, uh, you know, the, the output of the ECU, instead of it being a certain amount of fuel and a certain amount of timing, and it was, you push the pedal and you request a certain amount of torque. Now you, you don't, as a driver, you don't know how much torque you're requesting, but you're requesting some percentage of maximum torque and then the ECU decides how much of that to give you based on all the different environmental conditions and the traction and everything. And so that torque request model isn't, doesn't care about how the torque is being produced. It, it just assumes that there is some engine or tractive device that's going to spin the drive shaft with a certain amount of torque. And, you know, so you, you can, you can apply any kind of, power source to that if you want you could probably use uh you know a hydrogen you know or whatever you want right you could probably control a a, a steam train you know using a torque request um, ecu model so that's that's the cool thing and we haven't seen them move away from that yet and i don't see why they would so in like um, e-tron gt and cars like that they're also doing a torque request i think so yeah uh, basis. you know so you know your 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 pedal when you push the accelerator pedal it's just Right. And the ECU is like, okay, we need to produce some amount of torque. And then how that happens is thousands and thousands of maps in, in ice motors. It's less in electric motors, but, um, but yeah, and then all the magic happens. And that, that kind of thinking of torque requests has led to a lot of, uh, you know, what we, what we would call as closed loop operation where the, the ECU is, is targeting parameters and has a, a function called the PID loop, where uh, it's, it's it's creating outputs, evaluating you know the response, and then you know hitting kind of a maximum minimum range of outcomes and maintaining this result. You know, on average, it's doing this thing in the middle. That's a, that's a closed loop or PID loop that probably a lot of people 
most of Angkor engineers don't know about. Um, so yeah, you, you can apply that concept to, to anything, any kind of electrification. So for us, it just matter if we can get into the ECU, then we can we can start playing with the torque request model, and right. and then it can generate whatever power we want. Interesting. Yeah. Does it get to a point where, like, the, to me, one of the, the couple things that strike me about the electrics I see on the market, like uh, I've I haven't driven a Plaid, but I've done uh, launch you know, launch control on like an RSE Tron GT. And it starts to get to the point where it's like, I tend to use the term parlor trick because like it's it's cool, but you do it more than like twice and you start to feel yeah. nauseous. Like you're starting to get the limits of what's what's fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. And on top of that, to pull that kind of performance, there's weight. So like all these cars are super heavy to get range and that kind of power yeah. out of them. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I, I I guess I just like. Does it make? I'm sure there will be people with RSE Tron GTs who wouldn't mind tuning them so they're faster than their buddy's Plaid. But yeah, no, I there there will be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, the 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 point you're making or the uh, brings up an interesting challenge for Audi, right? Because uh, yeah, nobody needs a thousand horsepower ever. You don't need it in a, in a race car if you right. want to go. You know, if you want to go to Laguna Seca and go the fastest you've ever gone around Laguna Seca in a car, you probably don't need thousand horsepower. You know, there's a lot of other things that you need to do w- way better than that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the challenge for Audi is, I think Audi is, is a very sensible German engineering company. And so they think, well, why would anybody ever need 1000 horsepower? You know, 400 is plenty for anybody, you know, and, but, but Tesla's success is built on hype. And Elon Musk is like the hype master right. in charge of like, he literally sent a Tesla Roadster to Mars with a mannequin <laughs> in it playing Elton John or something, you know, for no reason. <laughs> like, because I just want to know, yeah, why, what is this Roadster going to do? <laughs> Crash into Mars when it gets there? You know? Yeah. Like, like literally you can drive a Tesla Roadster on Mars. So um, yeah, you don't need that kind of power. Now I think, I think, you know, what, what, the aftermarket enduring aftermarket industry has shown is that people love modifying their cars and they love getting more power. So I think, I think from an aftermarket perspective, there is kind of no limit. Um, you know, as long as we release products that increase the power of vehicles, there we always have customers. It's, it, it gets right. less and less and less the higher up we go. But there's plenty of people who want a thousand horsepower. Or whatever. Yeah. But on the manufacturer level, yeah, you don't need it. So then, how does Audi separate itself? from Tesla because Tesla's got all this hype, you know, uh, and Audi's just producing really nice, safe, well thought out. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Audi's the nice guy and Tesla's, you know, kind of the rock star bad boy, you know, yeah. and, and all, the, all the girls and seem to notice uh, the bad boy first for some reason. So yeah, I think that's hey, an interesting I, challenge. I, from my layman's perspective, but I'm, I'm sure there's perhaps some truth in this. It almost seems like the legacy car manufacturers are, they've been in it for so long and they've got so many vehicles in, you know, in, in service that like they're particularly cognizant of the legal ramifications of that, right? Whether that's being bitten by, um, you know, recalls or whatever else or, or liability of like, even just the autopilot, the nature of the term autopilot yeah. or, or yeah. the, or the way that system is built or the calling the kind of, that, yeah. 
or until it is, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost snake oil until he shows me one that's actually, you know, yeah. that is actually level three or more um, like, like it's snake oil. Again, who knows? He can land a rocket on its, you know, whatever with with SpaceX. He's done so, a lot of things as well, no question. Right, right. So, you know, I'm, I've I've never counted the guy out, but at the same time, he also says a lot of things. Like I think what now a couple of years ago he'd say in a, within a couple of months or within a year, Teslas would be level five. You could, you know, you could could I think that's I think that's what he said, right? Like they would drive themselves, and you could just rent them out and whatever. Um, yeah. So like he he clearly doesn't play by the same rules, and I don't no, know he does not at all. Right. And I, I don't know as a as a car enthusiast who's been a car enthusiast for years and understands and appreciates those rules in to some degree. While sometimes I complain that like sometimes certain manufacturers that we love may play it safe in certain regards, they're also doing so with for a reason because they have so many cars in service. And so like yeah. over the air updates are another great example. Like there aren't a lot of people doing that yet because liability involved with it is is something that like most legal departments are like, mm, you know, figure yeah. this one out before we start sending it to prime time. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Um, he doesn't play by the same rules, you know, which which makes him, you know, the the visionary innovator yeah. that he is. Um, but it comes it comes at a price, too. So it'll be interesting to watch Tesla's longevity, because I think, you know, the, the auto manufacturers are they're in it for the long run. They, they're, they're, you know, and I don't I think Elon could, you know, Tesla could blow up tomorrow and he, he'd be on to the next thing, you know. He's right, got ten yeah. other things going, and that's that's kind of his. So, so I have my own opinions, but I'm curious yours, and I'm I'm happy to share mine after you do. Mm -hmm. Do you, if you care to, do you? Where do you think Tesla ends up? Well, of course, we know where their valuation is. Yeah, like looking where they are in the market. Give them, let's say, five to ten years for the for the rest of the market to really engage in electric. Where do you think they? It's definitely my opinion that. Uh, you know, and this is my opinion and who knows right, yeah. you know, what will happen. And I've, I kind of um, early on, I didn't really, I mean, I'm right down the street from Tesla and I hear all the gossip and everything. Um, and I didn't even think they'd make it this far, but, but I do think that, uh, you know, they have, they have a lot of headwinds in the future, especially with, you know, real auto manufacturing companies really doing electrification well. And I think Volkswagen Audi are just starting to get there. You know, some of the new stuff they're releasing, I think, you know, can and does compete yeah. head to head. Um, but, you know, but everyone just got such a late start and Tesla did so much so well, so quickly that shocked everybody. But I don't think, uh, I don't think, I don't think Tesla defines electric cars, you know, in, in but, 10 years. Yeah, yeah, right. Even in five, I, I yeah, think. Maybe even five. I think unless they take that market cap and start like buying things up, which I don't know why they would, but unless they do that, they are that long term, they are basically like Porsche in a way. And by that, I mean a, a kind of very loyal, mm -hmm. sometimes yeah. cult like, you know, like, like I'm not yeah. saying Porsche, I, I appreciate everything Porsche does, but like, no, I know, but, you, uh, I know the point you're making, yeah, but like a, a very like people who are Porsche people tend to be like, you know, really into it. And, and same with Tesla. And I, I find Tesla owners are very loyal to it, but beyond that, once you have the major manufacturers who have the ability to ramp up production and do those numbers, yeah. I, I, they're, they're, you know, Porsche on its own outside of Volkswagen group had a challenge because like the market's just so big. Right. Yeah. No, I think, I think, uh, you know, Tesla's success is in large part due to what you described earlier, the, the kind of, 
lack of concern for liability, the hype, uh, willing to say things that don't end up being true and just kind of, you know, overwhelming the market with um, attention and engagement. But I don't think that's going to work long-term. And I think, you know, that, that attracted a certain, certain amount of cars, certain amount of clientele. I know around here, um, and I think probably in a lot of places, Tesla, owning a Tesla was a status symbol and it still is to some degree. It's funny, there's so many people like, oh, well, you can afford a Tesla. They're like seventy thousand dollars. Yeah. Is that a lot of money these days for a car? <laughs> How many cars? What's the average price of a car now? It's, it's... Yeah, I don't. I don't know offhand, and I don't. I mean, it's probably first world problems, right? But I know enough yeah. people now with like, you know, cars appro- approaching a hundred thousand dollars or even more. You look like at what? Like a Lightning is is a hundred thousand, and people say like, oh, mm-hmm. that's crazy expensive. It's like, well, have you looked at the pricing of luxury trucks lately? Like, I'm not so oh, sure yeah. it is, right? Like, yeah, like Raptors. Those those are. Those, those even, can be much more expensive than the average. Yeah, customer. even like a luxury spec, like a King Ranch or like a, you know, like they, they get up there. Yeah. So like, and I'm in central Pennsylvania, you see a lot of trucks. Like I see a lot of expensive trucks too. I see a lot of cheap, you know, like older trucks, but I also see expensive stuff. And like, so it's, it's not, it doesn't seem. I, I do, I do think, I do think, um, you know, like you said, they, they, they get to a certain point and they, they kind of get their marketplace. But I guess it's kind of ironic we spent so much time talking about Tesla. <laughs> well, if you're talking about electric, you almost have to, right? Like yeah, I, yeah, I, do. I, I did just do two laps. I, I, if you saw, we were in Monterey, mm-hmm. saw you out there. I yeah. got a couple laps around Laguna and the RS e-tron GT. Mm. Um, and they you were driving. Yeah, yeah, I got to, yeah, I awesome. got to, I got to chase TK. Um, oh. but but it was it was interesting that car, right? Like it's it's. Um, you know, obviously it shares with Tycon. It's, it's a very aggressive car, but it's, it's, you still have what struck me of the dynamics of that car on track are the, the weight and how low it is, but also the weight, right? Like sure. physics, you st- you're still carrying you a lot of, and then the immediacy of the torque. So you can, yeah. you can at, at any moment, if you wish, right. <clears> it seemed like I could, I could get on it very quickly and, and break them, lo- break the wheels loose a bit. Mm. Um, just because it was so like, you know, yeah. like that immediately. And and so it was very controllable, but I mean, I have to think if you're going to do like an HPD or track day, and I've heard of some Tycon owners kind of doing this already, like it's an expensive day. You're doing brakes and tires, like at the very least. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting for somebody to make that kind of lightweight. Yeah. You might not have big range. And I think that's what all the manufacturers are afraid of right <clears> now, but like something where you can pull some of that weight out because it's so great to have it low, but there's mm-hmm. just so much of it. Yeah, no, that would be cool. The other interesting thing, electric cars can do something that gas cars can't is, uh, you know, reach it, reach it. And you can really use that as part of car control. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing that, um, you know, cars have, I get, you get a little bit of engine compression, braking, a little bit, yeah. but nothing like an electric car has. So. I, I'd be curious, right? I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't use either. I know we have a, in our house, we have an e-tron. So like, I know the, the, um, you know, they have the shift down, po- right? Shift down points that, that yeah. like basically put in two preset le- levels of regen. Yeah. Uh, I, I've heard Q, uh, um, I don't know if you know, uh, Tommy Mihawk at Audi Wilmington Nemesis, he's been dailying their Q4. And he said, there is a mode, I guess, that you can, you can single pedal it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. I'd be, yeah, I'd be curious how that works, the track. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never, I, yeah. I get to do it on the street, much less the track, so. Yeah, because in, in that case, you know, you really don't need to use the brakes, you know. Just yeah. 
well power. theoretically right but i, I the, in real world environment yes but part of me wonders yeah. like coming into a break zone you're still probably well you're still gonna need to break zone though but you know it's those times where you just need to touch or tap the brakes that you yeah know, you could you could do away with that and stuff so but yeah it's, that's interesting interesting stuff yeah and the right. other thing is battery technology that's well yeah that's a big thing and let me make one other point about uh electrification is that you know from an aftermarket standpoint it's the customers that are really behind not the cars the cars can can actually perform really well and go really fast but people aren't really buying electric cars because of performance and you know obviously people are paying extra money for flat teslas and stuff because of the performance but as a, as a whole the market the average audi buyer is not not looking for the performance it's more of a efficiency the environmental impact the the, the social um, you know the social meaning of, of driving an electric car you know whatever it is so i think for us in the aftermarket we're wait, we're still waiting for those enthusiast customers to sort of arrive so, so all right so an analogy then to the aftermarket when, when i saw you at it um out at Monterey, I think we were we were chatting a bit about um, the lifted Q3 that was there at Legends of the Autobahn. That's the Adventure Series car that Audi Stevens Creek. Yeah, uh, that's built. a really and cool car. Yeah. I think you guys were involved in developing mm -hmm. some of the components for them. Yeah. Um. All right. So there, but but the whole off road, you know, overlanding trend that's so hot right now, or arguably before that in the in the in the tuning scene, if you will, maybe more SEMA than, than the tuning scene you cater to, but the whole air suspension thing before that, like these are not necessarily go fast uses of cars, right? No. Yeah. Now those and, are fats. They're fats that come and go. Well, maybe, maybe air, but like, I, was, you know, sure. overlanding has been around for a while. I think just more the, the, um, the supply of, crossovers and you know would yeah. be four by fours right like on on the market cool vehicles that can go over landing if you outfit them correctly mm -hmm. like that that it's perhaps inevitable the more even just in our space right the more q7s q5s cayennes yeah. Turegs, like like the more of those that are out there and the more they become affordable the more likely it is people are going to start doing that kind of stuff with them so like um i guess that's kind of where i start to wonder where ev goes as an aftermarket right like these are not your typical make it faster mods that are being done to say a lifted you know the q3 yeah um and, and so like what with ev is 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 go fast is that the point of them right because they already some of them kind of go fast already but like yeah. at least in a line yeah. um i don't know yeah i, th I think it, i think it will be i mean I think you know what you're describing is is a subsegment of tuning with the overlanding thing. You know? So you you've got someone who has some disposable income and they want to tune a car. So they right. look and they see well, what, where's my biggest bang for the buck. What 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 kind of activities can I do with this modified car that suits you know my interests and goals? Right. So there's not as many people that are like, well, I think I'll dump you know twenty thousand dollars into a Q3 and go overlanding. There's a right. There's really nobody that I know that's doing that. You know, the, the Stevens Creek has done a great job with that car, and they've they've used it as a marketing yeah, but, tool. And we've we've been involved to some amount. Yeah, we've had a couple customers approach us over the last few years to kind of you know, do similar things, but 
you know, still 99.9% of people are like, I want, I want to emulate, you know, uh, I mean, I, I think I'll, for a lot of people, they, they go back to, you know, that poster behind, behind you, or I've got, you know, a poster of an IMSA GTO right here. And yeah. I think for, for, you know, or maybe the A4 BTCC cars or the V8 DTM cars, or, you know, a lot of it's kind of heritage racing, Audi sedan, sports sedan racing that they did in various series that really drives people's desire to like, I want to go fast, like those cars went fast. Um, and so I think if, if, if Audi can inspire people like that with electrification, then there will be a lot more people I want to do that too. Is it also like the overlanding thing? I still think we're at the front of that and not so faddish, like, mm -hmm. like, no, I'm not here to beat up on air suspension, but air suspension as a trend definitely, I think, is a fad because it's, it's a visual, it's an aesthetic uh, tool and, and yeah. aesthetics, aesthetics tend to be fashionable, right? So, mm -hmm. so, right. you know. Uh, at Pebble Beach, everybody's wearing skinny jeans and skinny suits, and then here's Aaron Paul wearing like some ridiculous, not you know whatever pink suit, right? Like like kind of saying screw you all with just you know. So like the the visuals change over time, and I bet next year more people are dressed like Aaron Paul. But 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 I yeah. guess where I'm going with that is more um, th there's the supply of Q7s and Q5s, right? So like what are you going to do with the Q7 and Q5? It's it's not. If I have an, uh, if my first car is a hand-me-down S4, my parents buy me like a CPO S4, uh, and I take that to college versus a, a you know, a Q7, <clears throat> if you're going to make that car its best self, either one of those, you go two different directions, right? The S4 um, is is probably more go fast, make it capable, on track, et cetera. Q7 is not really, it's not really what yeah. that vehicle is about, right? Well, here, well, here's an idea for you, George. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Cartooning was a large part, um, you know, help help to grow through uh, racetracks opening up to the general public to come drive yeah. there. You know, the, the driving event phenomenon, which really kind of started in the '90s. But my first track day was like '95 or something like that. I didn't, even, I didn't even know it was a thing. I didn't even know you could do that. And so. I was like, wow, you can drive on a racetrack. That's pretty freaking cool. And I can learn how to drive a car fast, you know? And so I actually started building cars just so I could do that, you know? Um, and, right. and Audi Club was the first place I did that. No kidding. So so maybe Audi Club could, could start a new uh, series of events for off-roading and overlanding. You know? yeah, I, I mean, I, actually the local chapter did something like that where someone owns a ranch and yeah. they, had, they set up three routes and people were driving their Q5s and stuff up there. Um, but yeah, I think if, if there was events or outlets or places for people to drive these cars and they could be inspired by, you know, Audi, you know, Audi or Volkswagen efforts, yeah. um, you know, then, then I, I think it, it could drive a lot of enthusiasm around that. I mean, is there is the Dakar program, right? So I'm yeah, curious yeah. how. That's the one example I can think. Yeah. Right. And, the, but yeah, we're kind of well beyond the, either the hill climbing or the, the rally yeah. days. Um, but yeah, watching the Dakar program last year, I, part of me was like, we, I, we actually came out of that, those couple of weeks, we'd already been discussing, like, have you familiar with the rebel rally? Uh, I've heard of it. But that's no. how to pronounce it. I don't know, yeah. but it's like an, it's an all women's kind of overlanding, yeah. uh, similar, they have a base camp and they're out running events every day. So it's almost like Dakar in the, in the way it runs and, and things like that, where like, um, 
I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. But like, I guess where I'm going with that too is like, I, I, I'm trying to get my head around EVs and what they, you know, RE Tron, I've done wheels, I've lowered it, you know, tires, whatever. But like roof rack, kind of traditional stuff you would think yeah. of like doing with an Avant. Yeah. Right, right. But like how, how one uses an EV uh, once it's, you know, like, like you mentioned with your customers, once you're off warranty, once you're, you've kind of got some miles on it, you're not so worried about, you know, yeah. It, like taking some of the shine off the new new like the the wh where does beyond suspension tuning which would certainly make it go faster like yeah. what's the next what's what makes that car its best self that is different yeah. than the s4 or the q7 yeah it's gonna be completely up to you know the market and how people want to spend money if you know we, we do we do a lot of leading the market where yeah we sit around thinking this would be fucking cool to do with a car. People will love this. And then we go out and convince everyone to do it. But but at least half of what we do too is just sitting around like, what do you want to do? What, what, are, what are people <laughs> right, doing? Totally. You know? I'm like, yeah. Um, the customers are telling us, you know, because um, that's that's a much easier way for us to go is if there's, you know, thousands of people who want to, uh, you know, go eight seconds and Audi's new, a3 electric sedan you know that's yeah. that's cool and not an suv um and we we can we can produce a, a five or ten thousand dollar package of parts to help people do that and hundreds of people want to buy it we're in business right um, so we can either you know go out and do that and hope people are inspired by it and they want to do it or we can um, engage with what people are trying to do and want to do and we can we can go create solutions for them to do the thing that they're able to do we're just not seeing any of it in electric for Volkswagen yeah. Audi and then the question is well how much do we want to lead this right now and there's just yeah. too much opportunity in ICE applications for I think any company in our position to even think about it so you know it's and that's it goes back to my point of it's electric tuning is, is more about the customers, less about what companies can do. And I think a lot of, a lot of times the conversation is completely around like, well, you're not gonna be able to tune electric cars. It's like, no, no, no that's actually not true. We'll yeah. figure out how to do anything. Right. If you wanna do it, we'll figure it out. That's what we're here to do, but nobody's asking, you know, it's, it's basically zero. Right. Well, part of it too is <laughs> what I wrestle with right now, I know Volkswagen Group, uh, pardon, I got sirens. Uh, okay. Coming to get me. Um, the, 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 I know Volkswagen group has kind of played it safe a bit in which you, other than Taycan and Etron GT kind of which cars they roll out, even those are sedans versus like, a mm -hmm. you know, like, especially Porsche launching Taycan, you know, that they're a sports car company first. And, and, and so, um, Taycan and the Macan coming out first, it's, it's what sells you're, they're going for the meat of the market. And then yeah. the specialty stuff comes later. And I think that's the challenge where like, you look at, um, you know, you either, you either wait for things to be, uh, several years old, like, like you mentioned V8s, V9s, or, uh, you see other segments of the market, like, you know, the five cylinder space right now, which is also big, uh, tuning space, uh, even on newer cars, but like, they're not, there's no EV product in that, you know, that it's sort of be relevant to that customer yet and probably won't be for a couple of years. So like, yeah, well, it's interesting because I've actually seen a number of RS3 owners go out and buy model F, model, uh, model threes. Have they? Yeah. And a similar sized car and yeah. just as fast, you know, you get the performance package or whatever. Right. Um, 
so yeah, I think I think that you know that Model Three, and you know Jason Kamisa has, has said that Model Three performance is, is the best car he's ever driven. You know, uh, I don't know if that still holds true, but that that's, wasn't too that's long. The Volkswagen Scirocco was. I don't know. <laughs> for, for Jason, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, like that's what Audi's missing right now. Audi is doing a good job of bringing out some electric cars for the average, you know, yeah. average person. But not not for the they, they obviously are not prioritizing the enthusiast other than like enthusiasts with lots of money who want to buy a RS or something. Yeah, because I think I think a, an RS six electric is on its way, right? Like that's yeah. already been kind of talked about. So like, um, but still attainable. <clears throat> a, a, a like you mentioned, there is not an, an electric A three sedan yet, but when there is, uh, or an electric TT, there have been rumors of that electric R eight. Yeah, like, um, that no, that's less that, attainable. That would be so, interesting. Yeah. Um, so anyways yeah it's it's you know it's still it's still not an electric world by any means and uh, people right, who, mod, so, who mod cars are into ice so so i push you down this electric yeah road quite far <laughs> it's interesting yeah no i don't i could go all day with it yeah. it's an interesting conversation i'm gonna stop the recording here just because the interview with javad went for about two hours and it's all great stuff so we're gonna split it out over a second episode so look for episode 29, and that'll have the rest of Javad's chat. We'll move from here, talking about electrics, to aftermarket and a bunch of other things uh, in regards to ice and whatever. So check it out next episode, and thanks for stopping.